Carlisle's a zaddy, by the way. Yes. Oh my gosh, Car- that was the same word that was just going through my head. You have Charlie, the human daddy, and then you have Carlisle, the vampire zaddy. <laughs> Literally. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Everything he does, I'm like obsessed. I know. I love when Hello, fellow readers, and welcome to the Great Feminist Book Throwdown, where we critically read popular texts for your enjoyment. Here at this pod, we believe in searching for what our fiction is really trying to teach us about each other, the world, and our own humanity through the lenses of class, race, sex, gender, and more. With us today, we have our hosts, myself, Mackenzie, Caitlin, and Nikita. All right, guys, let's get into it. All right, welcome everybody to today's pod. We're super excited to be talking about Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. Um, She released this in 2020, and um, she had apparently been working on this book for like years before... Um, the release. Like in her little afterward, she just talked about this book being a labor of love that she's been working on for years and years and years. It kind of reminded me, um, off topic, but it kind of reminded me of like Christopher Paolini. He like released the Aragon, the Inheritance Quadrilogy. There's four books. <laughs> Quadri- and then we didn't hear from him. Quartet? Quartet. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, no, no. From henceforth, it will I be called like Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. <laughs> Um, uh, but we didn't hear from him for like a decade. And then he just recently, over the past couple of years, released a standalone novel. Uh, so this kind of, it just reminded me of Stephanie. Like she was gone for like a decade, but she came back well, with Midnight Sun. And it's worth mentioning that half of this book was dropped on the internet a decade ago. Yeah. yeah. Against against her will. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who um, don't know, leaked. who don't remember the drama of this book, like she had been working on it and then someone else on her team had leaked the early chapters. And so she just released the first, like, 30% of this book online on her own personal website. And I remember being in high school and reading these chapters and loving them and being sad when it got to the end and it didn't finish the book. And and now we have the whole book, and that's great, too. Well, and I thought it was tea that she said, um, just I was reading about the leak. <laughs> and she said mm-hmm. that she could tell who had leaked it because she... She, there were different things in different versions of the book. So, really? so she knew like who the it was. Tea. I know. Wow. Some Tinker Taylor soldier spy crap going on and <laughs> Stephanie's editorial team. That is drama. It is. Um, yeah. But she also said that like once that leak happened, it really kind of like it took a lot of the wind out of her sails. Like yeah. she'd been excited about this and then the leak happened and then I she kind of was that. like, should I even finish Wait, this book? Like what's the point? Um, she did. Yeah. She did finish it, and we are super excited to follow up our Twilight pod and read with the Midnight Sun read and pod. I mean, we know the plot, so I don't. I'm not going to waste too much oh, time. We know the plot. <laughs> I'm not going to waste too much time going over the plot. Um, if you're unfamiliar, you could listen to our Twilight podcast or consume any of the Twilight media. Midnight Sun covers the first book, Twilight. But it is told from Edward's perspective instead of from Bella's perspective. It is, like, twice, three times the length of Twilight. Like, yeah. Midnight Sun is a, it is a big book. It, it is, is a big the book. the Anna Karenina of YA books. <laughs> it's it's really big. Like, Caitlin's copy had, like, 600 pages. My copy had, like, 800 pages. It was just it was just a big read. And it's the exact same events as Twilight. Just for accuracy purposes, I will note that my copy of Twilight was around 500 pages. So it's hardly <laughs> three times the length of it. 
but Wait, felt it. Did you did you get the little like paperback pulp version? No, or Caitlin you... has the hardback. I have the paperback. Caitlin's uh, copy of Midnight Sun. Okay, of Midnight okay. Sun. Yes. But I also have the paperback copy of Twilight, That's and true. it is like three times the size of Twilight. Mm. But I also read the paperback copy of Twilight, and it was five hundred. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 500 to 800. Does anybody have a Brandon Sando around? They can go and like <laughs> prop up this uh, doorstop of angst next to and we can see how it compares. <laughs> uh, like I said, yeah, we're not going to go over the plot too much. The exact same events. Um, but I think we should just jump in with our first thoughts. Um Kita, what are you thinking about Midnight Are Sun? you asking me because I have, like, the, like, angriest thoughts? <laughs> or not angriest, but the most... Dis- I've been, like, r- listeners, I've been complaining at Mackenzie for, like, weeks now as we've, like, read this book about how long it is because it is essentially, like, rereading Twilight except it feels both like a defense of Edward, a chance for Stephanie Meyer to respond to all the criticism that Edward as a character was taking um, and maybe her own creative decisions. And it also feels like Edward's point of view for Twilight. So it feels like you're rehashing Twilight, but also getting like, you know, the the explanations for things that you never knew you needed, like the sleeveless button-up shirt. There is <laughs> like, what, four pages that goes into the backstory of the sleeveless button-up shirt choice. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> well, and frankly, I still... Honestly, I should look up fan art. I still don't understand what the shirt looks like. I think there's a manga you can refer to. <laughs> no, my favorite part of that whole sleeveless thing is that in his inner monologue, from his perspective, he's like, oh, Alice always buys me these fancy items, and yes. Alice always can see visions of me wearing the clothes so she knows what to buy. But funnily enough, she bought me this item but didn't have a vision to go along with it but she had a feeling that she should buy this random sleeveless button-down shirt and look i'm wearing it now yeah. and it's the perfect look clothing item her for unerring this. ability it was it, it was very funny it was very funny to have a whole backstory <laughs> for the record i um was speaking to a friend of a friend of mine and she's she's younger she's 16 and she's obsessed with twilight and she did not like this book she has Ooh. like she's the ultimate twilight fan always has a copy from the original quartet or quadrilogy on her but she does not like acknowledge midnight sun so take that as you will that's tea huh okay well caitlin what did you think well i really liked it (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) i like this more than twilight wow are you i know i feel like this this fixes everything for me Uh, are you kidding me oh my gosh you are stephanie's dream come true (laughs) no like legitimately i was like everything is more acceptable through this lens wow yeah oh because your biggest problem with twilight was that you didn't like bella probably not even not even bella as a person but bella's obsession with edward yeah and i feel like seeing bella through edward's eyes makes me like bella more I would yes. agree with that. And yes, I, I think 100%. it helps her character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, Bella came out looking so good 
in this book. Yeah. She really did, yeah. So much better than in the original. Yes, and you know, there's yeah. something to be said there about like, oh, you know, we never see ourselves the way other people <laughs> right. see us. But like, yeah. I, I really do like <laughs> Edward's perspective more. Mm-hmm. Not even in a worshipful way. I just right. feel like his perspective adds so much more dimension. I find it very yeah. interesting. One of your guys' thoughts about Bella was that you were complaining that we were seeing her in the small moments of life and it was extremely boring. I feel yes. like we see the same thing. and We even see Edward literally sitting in the dark just staring <laughs> at her for hours. Mm. And you don't seem to have the same reaction, even though he is also in kind of the small moments of life he's also staring at her which is not an inherently exciting activity well and also not okay with that sure we'll get into that we'll get into that but um i feel like it's there's something boring about i'm a girl doing my laundry and there's something different about i'm a boy who is an eternal vampire creature (laughs) watching a human do laundry like, those are different. Interesting. All right. I, I mean, I see, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not defending him. <laughs> no, I get it. I feel like I kind of... I just knew coming into this book, Edward was going to be my main little emo boy. And he 100% <laughs> he is. is. Wow. Like, he really was. He, he, you just... It, you can't get away from it. He is. <laughs> he is the emo boy. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, for me, this book was both very entertaining to read and also kind of like, I don't know if I need to read this again. Like, I, I, no. like I felt like middle of the road for me. Like, I liked it, but I also was kind of like, I mean, Stephanie probably could have shaved off a little bit here and there. Definitely true. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Like, and some of his perspectives were just extremely repetitive to the point that I was like, I get that you're in your feels, but like, <sighs> can we graduate? To a different thought, maybe? A different, like, no. cycle? Everything, everything leading up to the meadow, essentially, was him just ricocheting between, like, do I leave her? Do I eat her? Do I save her? Do I change her? <laughs> like, over and over and over again. And, like, it was just, I couldn't after a time. It was just too much. You like I understand. I, I think we were talking about this, and we were talking about how, like, we were questioning why her editor didn't talk her out of, like, culling some of this, like, extra like inner monologue yeah. because it was so repetitive and we just didn't understand why I that had been I do left in there. think she could have comfortably cut down this book by 25%. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like I and I don't like I felt like um Kida I feel like you were in the first third of the book maybe and you were just like this is so repetitive like I'm so done can we just like move on from whatever mm. his thoughts were about at that time. I feel like I didn't feel that until, like, the meadow scene, which comes mm. comfortably halfway yeah. in the book or or even a little over the halfway point. But the meadow scene was just so much. Like, I reading it from Bella's perspective, it got over mm-hmm. fairly quickly, I felt like. Like, you know, they hiked up to the meadow, they looked at each other, he was sparkly, she tried to kiss him he ran away uh, but then they decided to love each other and that was that like I felt like it got over kind of quickly but from Edward's perspective man I feel like we're there for ages right (laughs) but I also I do feel like it makes it so much more interesting to hear him explicitly say how close he is to like yeah killing her like for me that's the interesting conflict yeah the drama is significant 
Yeah, whereas Bella's just like, well, yeah, he could eat me, but he's not going to. <laughs> he's my little, little, yeah. little baby boy. Of course he wouldn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of it's that kind of exposure though that made me dislike. It's funny that we talked about how in Twilight we dislike Bella, but Edward is so interesting. And then in this book, I felt like the opposite way, oh. where I liked Bella, but I disliked Edward and. I wonder if she ever realized how much danger she was constantly in every time she was around him. Well, I felt stressed for her. Oh, no, we clearly I mean, we've read Twilight. She clearly doesn't know how much danger she's in. Right. She's just brushing it off because, yeah, he loves her and she loves him and he would never hurt me. Yeah, I wish I wish she was a little more afraid (laughs) because I like on his side the war between do I kiss her or do I drain her? blood <laughs> and I wish on her end it was like I'm afraid of him but I'm really yeah. attracted to him like that like, would have been an interesting conflict that would have been side. that would have been an interesting conflict instead she's just always like no <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs> I don't know I feel really good about him he would never <laughs> okay well do we um I mean I feel like this brings up an interesting point with like the two narratives like do we feel like we needed the two narratives coming away from midnight sun do we feel like the narrative and the story of like bella and edward's love needed both of their perspectives um in Mm. this way it's almost like i wish twilight was one of those dual perspective books yeah Mm. Because I love a dual perspective romance sure. mm-hmm. where you get to see like, oh, this is what the other person's thinking and the other person has no idea. Because I, I like elements of both. Mm-hmm. But do I think Edward needed a whole book? Uh, yeah. Not necessarily. I, I feel that she would have had dual perspectives if she would have written this 10 years later. Right. Like, because yeah. the dual perspective thing, I think, morphed out of the supernatural romance genre. Like, it, it was a later addition to the genre. Um, and so I feel like because she was so early into this and because she's the one who kind of kick-started the, the movement a little bit, I think hmm. it suffered in that way. Because I do think it would have been good to have both of their perspectives in the yeah. novel in the first place. Well, and we discussed the importance of having... Bella be the protagonist of the original right like so so squarely centered mm-hmm. like yeah. if there was a dual perspective you lose some of that mm-hmm. yeah so I think the things I found the most entertaining about this book as opposed to Twilight was what it added rather like I didn't love his side of the exact same dialogue from Twilight. Mm -hmm. I liked the parts of Twilight that we didn't really get to see that Bella might have glossed over from her perspective. Yeah. Like I was entertained by their conversation about what she wanted to do with her life and what kind of books she liked um, and how she saw her mother and their experiences together or like. I really was entertained by the part at the end when they're pursuing um, James across, you know, the Pacific Northwest. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, a good time. So in that way, like, I feel like this book was like a good addition. So interesting. All of it? Uh, it just the idea that she did release this like over 10 years after the first book. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's interesting to like revisit this and to to go back and I agree with both of you I think that it does add things to the narrative that are very helpful and add a lot of context and help you see a different side of both of the characters in a really interesting way yeah but it's also just so long (laughs) it adds a bunch of stuff that 
isn't necessary or asked for even. Yeah, although I did find myself kind of wanting at the end of this book to read his like new moon. And I think Stephanie should not release that because I don't think it would be interesting enough to be frank. Like Edward was just trying to forget himself, you mm-hmm. know, for like a whole year while he was not around her. But like, mm. I mean, you you know me. I love a good angsty moment. And I feel <laughs> like new moon from Edward's True. perspective would be angst upon angst upon angst right up until the moment that he thinks that she's died and then he's just like <laughs> i must die too and it's uh wow. it just it really it scratches an itch for me but i do not think it would sell well and i don't think it's worth writing i had no idea that you loved a tragic love story it's not but the thing is is that i want a happy ending like the tragedy mm. i like and the tragedy that i always love to see is like a character realizing right at the worst moment that their heart is being ripped in two <laughs> by this other person because they lost them or something like that. And then, like, mm-hmm. going off and being like, oh, my life is terrible now because I don't have this person with me. I don't know. And then and then the person comes back and all is healed. And but, like, that moment of just... The realization. The realization, the, the like, heartbreak the aching like loss I just I love that I love people pining after my main characters yeah like in a really visceral way yeah I feel that okay yeah Yeah. thank you I like pining so as two people who loved this book and Caitlin in your case more than Twilight what parts entertained you the most what parts entertained me I mean it has to be when were you entertained (laughs) I mean, I mean, kind of like you said, Kita, it has to be something that was new. Like, anytime it was a conversation that we'd already heard a million times, that's a no from me. Yeah, it was boring. Um, the rehashing of dialogue. And also, anything in the high school I found pretty dull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Most... I liked seeing more of the vampires. Me too. I honestly, that was one thing that I was thinking, like, anytime he was talking to his siblings, they were talking about someone's backstory. I was like, honestly, where's that book? I know. I'm like, yeah. where's where's the story of, like, give me Carlisle's story in a book. Yeah. Or, like, Alice and Jasper. Right. Alice and Rosalie Jasper. and Emmett, even. Yeah. I'm interested. Every time he describes, like, Jasper entering any room as, like, some, like, <laughs> god of war, I'm like, I want the story of Alice and Jasper. They are so cool. Oh, no, I know. seriously. The real main characters. Yeah, no, yeah. I was thinking that. Um, so any anything with the family I did find very interesting. And I did like once things start picking up at the end and we're seeing from from the perspective of the vampires what's going on with the other the, yes. the new like vampires. As, as soon as the, mm-hmm. the baseball scene happens, yes. things pick up and it yes. starts getting really interesting. Yes. So I liked I liked all of that stuff. Um, I liked the moment in uh, Port, is it Port Angeles? Yeah. I always forget. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like that moment where, you know, he's trolling the streets for <laughs> Bella and he can't, like, the interesting thing about Edward's perspective is that usually he's able to locate people by their minds. He always knows where people are in a whatever mile, two mile radius because he can just read their thoughts and mm-hmm. know where they are. But he he actively can't do that for Bella. So instead, he's, like, trying to track her and watch her to make her sure that she's safe in Port Angeles. 
he can't he doesn't actually know where she is but he has to follow her through the minds of the people around her like her two friends that she's with he does this when they're at school too but i just found it really interesting because bella goes to the library or the bookstore and she leaves them and then he has this panic moment where he's just like where is she? Like, I have no idea. She's probably getting herself into trouble. He's running frantically around the city. Well, I guess he's not running. He's in his car (laughs) driving frantically around the city trying to find her. And then he locates her in the thoughts of like the men who are acting very Mm -hmm. like predatory toward her. And we don't get really, I think we hear like two things from the lead yeah, uh, perpetrator yeah. guy. Um, and then we don't hear any of the rest of his inner monologue. But Edward is just seething and furious about how much this guy is like just disgusting and a slime ball and a danger to everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And I just I liked the way that scene was handled from his perspective. Like it was mm-hmm. very interesting. The whole yeah. searching for her aspect I really enjoyed. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that that Twilight felt very like romantic and you see Edward more as a superhero than as a monster but Twilight from Edward's perspective and in Edward's head it's a lot more gory and dark Mm -hmm. like his stories with like encountering encountering these like predators and especially that one story about that guy who almost committed a crime yeah Um, yeah it was just it was was really dark dark. there was a lot of darkness in this story that took me by surprise let's let's transition let's talk about edward in this book okay i thought it was extremely interesting in the first like 10 percent, 15 percent of the book before he really has a chance to like develop a relationship with Bella he's like the first part of the book he is extremely cynical detached aloof Mm -hmm. the humans around him he like it's what happens when you get a serial single guy (laughs) (laughs) well he tries in a way to to consider them humans like he doesn't look at them necessarily like their prey but you do get a, a big sense that he considers them to be way beneath him like way beneath him Mm -hmm. like he and his siblings are just these gods among like sheep and they're just walking around bored and aloof it's very (laughs) gives me like grecian typical 17 year old hot guy well but that's the thing is that it doesn't feel typical to me like the way that he was considering the humans around him felt distinctly vampiric in a way that you absolutely do not get in twilight Mm. and i really liked that like it made me see him as something other for the first time yes no i liked anything that made him feel more like a vampire yeah in a in a scary way Mm -hmm. or in like a this is what happens when you live forever and things cease to have meaning kind of way Yeah. yeah and that's absolutely what it was yeah which is why Bella's so interesting to him. Like, it makes sense that she kind of, like, wakes him up. Because it's like, oh, like, he's so used to being able to read everyone's minds. And I honestly think that's a crucial element of his character, by the way. Yeah, I would agree If, if he that. couldn't read minds, the romance with Bella makes no sense. But the fact yeah. that he usually knows everything because he can read everyone's mind. Like, how boring would that be? Which also, yeah. like, feeds into his cynicism. Exactly. Like, he only considers himself to really see the worst in humans like 90 percent of the time right he likes angela <laughs> angela bella's friend he's yeah. like she's a good sweet kind girl and it's always nice to be like in her thoughts like she's just a pleasant person oh also the side plot of her and that boy getting together <laughs> yes. oh yeah like okay edward matchmaker what is this <laughs> yeah he kind of like pushes angela and not mike what's the other His guy's name i don't ben. remember 
Ben, ben something. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He kind of like pushes them together in like a high school romance way. And it's yeah. and Ben is cute. short. That's right. Yeah. Ben is short. Six that's their that's than their her. big conflict to their, their I was romance. like, honestly, six inches is the is a height lot. difference. Yeah. <laughs> like but Angela's such a good person that she doesn't care. I know, Angela's so not shallow. We love that. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I completely agree that that fills him out much more completely than we got in Twilight. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, I was going to say, first of all, it seems annoying. I wouldn't want to be a mind reader in the way that he's a mind reader. No. But second of all... I like, don't... it's annoying to the people around him or to no, him? No, 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 to him. To, it would be annoying to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It drives me nuts. I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but also, I have a lot of questions about the way it works, because not only does he hear people's thoughts, he can, like, see what they're seeing. Yeah. Which I don't really mm. understand. It's like he's in, like, I kind of interpreted that as, like, he's reading the inputs that they're, right. like, like, translating from the eyes to the brain. Like, that's kind it's of just, how I was reading it. It's just very it. interesting. Mind like, flare. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not normally how mind reading is interpreted. Also, he always hears people speak in sentences, which for the purposes mm. of narrative makes sense, but, like, that's mm. not how many people think. I think in sentences. Yeah. I'm a very word-based person, yeah. but I've spoken to a lot of people who don't think in sentences. Like, they think in, like, images or ideas. Yeah, yeah. or feelings. You think most people are like Charlie where he only gets like some feelings and Maybe, occasional I words. feel like 50 well but that's the interesting thing um for anybody who hasn't read Minai's Son I found this fascinating yeah Bella got her like protective headness like Bella her, her or shielded mind yeah like Edward can't read Bella's mind but the narrative suggests that she got that from Charlie like Edward yeah. says at the beginning of the novel like oh I always thought Charlie was just kind of slow like I always thought Charlie just kind of didn't have too many thoughts going on but what he realizes after meeting Bella Mm -hmm. is not that Charlie doesn't have too many thoughts going on it's that he's actively being somewhat shielded from Edward's abilities which I thought was a very interesting well, world building to And it. the additional note that he learns her mom, Renee. Renee has the opposite thing where, like, she's broadcasting her thoughts so loudly that even people who can't read thoughts still, like, subconsciously respond to it. And, like, want to yeah. help her. Right, which, which results in people, like, being drawn to her and wanting to help ease her pain or whatever. And he was or like, oh. Or respond, like... Un, like subconsciously to whatever she's thinking yeah right and he notes that like it probably has made her like a narcissist yeah. and it explains partially like her relationship with bella because bella mm. bella is the mother in their relationship which is so which is really interesting yeah. also she sounds like yeah. a terrifying vampire like i'm imagining that she oh. can like make people do what she wants them to probably do, like with her thoughts mm. where's that fanfic yeah. give me renee as a vampire <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> you can also see how, like, Bella would grow her mind shield as kind of, like, a callus against that constant, like, yes. mental screaming from her mom. Well, and that. it, it yeah, makes so much sense that, like, Charlie could have fallen in love with her. Because if, right. if Charlie oh, was totally. somewhat shielded from Renee's, right. like, broadcasting right. or whatever, but still drawn to her yeah. in a way. Yeah. It's so interesting. And it kind of also explains, then, like, Edward's being drawn to Bella. Mm-hmm. Because it's like mm-hmm. she's being shielded, but she also has this kind of, like, innate appeal. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, going back to yeah. Edward, like, the fact that he can't read her mind and the fact that she is... Oh, so tasty. <laughs> so tasty. <laughs> like, it makes sense that, from his perspective in Midnight Sun, like, it makes so much more sense why he would 
be first drawn to her in like a very like physical way right. and then drawn to her romantically and intrigued by her. Yeah. In fact, I even right. think I wrote down his first instinct is curiosity and then protection. And then his third and fourth thoughts are hunger slash desire and hatred. Like I thought that was yeah. a very interesting progression mm-hmm. yeah. of thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um, curio- like feeling curious that this person's different. Then he wants to like shield this thing that is different from everybody else. And then he smells yeah. her and he's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> How dare you exist? Exactly. Yeah. And he hates that she's like come to ruin his life, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Like she's a harbinger of doom. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if we think about like love. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and like what goes into like falling in love with someone. It kind of makes mm-hmm. sense that he wouldn't fall in love with someone if he could always hear their thoughts. Right. Where's the intrigue? Well, where's, <laughs> right, you never, you don't have to work for that. Yeah. Like, their their whole self is basically, like, delivered up, delivered? Served up to you on a platter. Like, yeah. you don't have to do anything. You just know them innately. Well, and you always are going to feel superior to them. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. How could you ever view them as an equal? Right. When, like, yeah. they have no chance against you, like, right. in any way. Yeah. Um, and so it totally makes sense that, like, him having to work to get to know Bella mm-hmm. would encourage feelings. She's she's new. She's unique. He has to work to get to know her. Mm-hmm. Like, no wonder. Do we have feelings about his self-loathing? Like, him loathing himself <laughs> for wanting to eat her? Or, like, his general loathing for his nature? That, that. Um, also, the fact that he has killed people in the past like mm. he loads himself for oh, acting yeah. the monster in those cases like it's funny because i could i could totally understand why he would put himself there why he would see himself in that way but i mean he explains to bella like oh i've killed people and bella's kind of like well yeah but they were people who deserved it and we see from his perspective that they always were people who had already committed heinous crimes true um with with one exception which was the really dark story that caitlin alluded to and i i don't i like he i think it's an interesting facet of his character that he like loads his innate person so Mm -hmm. much because even from an outside perspective like i i'm like honestly you're fine (laughs) i don't know like yeah i mean i'm not well i'm i'm definitely i'm not pro capital punishment sure be honest (laughs) um but like in a fictional narrative like he was playing the vigilante and so many other books are about similar characters yeah i get it who are the the heroes i rewatched vampire diaries recently which is a series i remember loving when i was a teenager but now when i watch it all i can focus on is how many innocent people die throughout the course of the show and the show is just kind of like haha that's just damon he's the wild card and i'm like no no, he's a serial killer and must be stopped any way necessary. And it just, I think it made me like reevaluate what's going on in Twilight, especially seeing it from Edward's perspective, because it is so good that Bella reciprocated his feelings of romance. Because if she hadn't been like into him equally, he would have been terrifying. Yeah. And there would have been true. like no way for her to stop him. Right. Even if he had determined, like, oh, I'm not going to kill her. Like, he still would have right. been, like, a constant presence in her life. Like, he would have been stalking her yeah. constantly, being in her bedroom. True. Yeah. It, like, she couldn't have I think it's interesting. Away. 
Yeah, that Alice calls out that if he had successfully gotten away from her and stayed in Alaska, eventually uh, he would have ended up killing her anyway because without knowing her, the mm-hmm. temptation of her blood would have been too great. Agreed. I thought the way Alice and Edward, their relationship and the way their powers interplayed and played off of one another was a mm-hmm. very fascinating part of this book. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, when we were going into the meadow you know, scene, Alice pretty much told Edward, like, this is your tipping point. Like, you're either going to kill, like, Bella in this meadow or, Mm -hmm. and probably, like, waste away afterward because you can't live without her or you're going to pass the test and you're going to, like, be safe from Mm -hmm. wanting to kill her in this way in the future. And it was, again, it, like, upped the stakes dramatically from where Mm -hmm. Bella, in Bella's perspective, she was just like, oh, okay, we're just going to go to a a date. (laughs) (laughs) But from from Edward's perspective, it was like, Alice is telling me that this is, this is it. Like, we either get through this or we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Alice's powers are also interesting, just Mm. for the record. It's interesting to see Bella's, or Bella from Edward's point of view, because throughout Twilight, I keep thinking you are dumb and you weren't protecting your own self-interest and your own safety and then seeing it from Edward's point of view he's constantly I don't know like she just comes off as more self-possessed I guess she comes off as less like desperate for his love yeah like I just think of that moment in the meadow when yeah he says like I'm gonna try to control myself but I don't know if I can and I think she responds sarcastically almost like what do you want my permission Mm -hmm. and Seeing that, like, pushback from her was like, oh, okay, so maybe she did stick up for herself more than I realized. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And let's kind of maybe transition a little bit to talking about our perceptions of Bella. I think we've all kind of shared that Bella comes off in this book a lot better than she did in her own book. So sad for her, honestly. (laughs) She, I mean, he describes her as selfless, smart, shy, Uh, She's clumsy. She is like this big reader. She's constantly taking care of people. It's like the things that we knew about from her book, but like it's emphasized so Mm -hmm. much more here. And she feels like so much stronger of a personality and of a character, which is interesting. One of my favorite lines is when Edward says she comes off as somebody who had learned early on in their life to clip their own wings. Or like reality had taught her to like, limit her expectations yeah and I thought that was really interesting yeah I would completely agree with that I I thought that was a good line I feel like her he he perceives her to be very brave and also very selfless Mm -hmm. and I feel like I got both of those from the original to a certain extent but through his perspective especially seeing like um like when she talks to like Mike or when like when she talks with people that like she doesn't really love Mm mm-hmm and we know that, but, like, she goes out of her way to still be very nice and to, like, not go along with the mean girls. And, like, she wants to kind of, like, set herself apart and not yeah. really, like, get down in the mud of high school. And, you know, she's very selfless with Charlie and, like, yeah. she wants to help take care of him. And, like, all of these things seem so much more, like, active choices Yes. than just kind of her passively letting yeah. people get away with stuff. Yeah. Yes, I would completely agree with that, yeah. especially the way that she interacts with her friends. Edward yeah. is constantly noticing how she is maneuvering her friends to always try to make like other people happy and like looking out for Angela and trying to like direct Mike to like ask out Mm -hmm. Jessica Mm -hmm. because she knows that Jessica really likes Mike like in it from her perspective 
yeah, it seemed like Mm -hmm. accidental or she was almost just kind of not interested. From his perspective, it comes off as much more kind. Yeah. And very intentional. Yes. I would completely agree with that. Um, I thought it was amusing that he stresses multiple times, even after knowing Bella, Mm -hmm. that she is a nobody. (laughs) Yeah. Like he says, he oh, says yeah. that multiple times, like, she's a nobody. She's nothing special. She's like, yeah. she's just. She's nothing special to look at. She He does say that in the very, very beginning when he first looks at her. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just thought that was just an interesting side note. Like I was like, yeah. huh. Like to think that he becomes yeah. like so, like he, she is his everything. Consistently in the first part of getting to know, it's just like, well, who is this random human? She's nobody. Yeah. She's nothing special. I think it's. I love that you call that out because I think it's a good example of how when you do fall in love with somebody, then, you know, there's maybe the initial attraction. But later on, there's this like when you fall in love with them, this idea you have of them in your mind like overtakes them. So it doesn't even matter what they look like. All you see is like how you feel towards them. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that I don't know that Edward ever talks about being physically attracted to someone. And he is only physically attracted to her once he's, like, mentally attracted yeah, to her. Yeah, that's so. true. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Bella even says that she was never attracted to someone, really, until him. Mm, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something there <laughs> about sexuality. Something to be said for that. <laughs> um, just also, maybe this is kind of a segue, but I liked how they brought up that Alice really wanted to be friends with Bella. Yeah. Like, that was such a... Oh, sweet. That was such a, like, big thing for her. Like, she kept being like, Edward, I know I'm going to be friends with her. When can I be friends with her? Like, let me be friends with her. And I was like, aw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cute. (laughs) It's really sweet. Yeah. Alice, Alice can do no wrong in the narrative. Truly. I don't think she did a single wrong thing. No, Alice is the best character. (laughs) (laughs) Before, I I just want to throw out there, Hmm. um, there was one line that I, that had to do with Edward and Bella, and it was Edward saying, like her her scent and her silence they were in the car and he was like it's just so intriguing i just i just want her want her to want to devour her whatever mm-hmm. like he was talking about how much he was like desiring her but then he flipped it around and he said no it's not her it's me it's my my thirst and my curiosity that makes it so i can't leave her alone mm. and it's not something that she's doing it's something i'm doing and i'm like wow edward yeah. for for everything you do perfect wrong, combo for a serial commit for everything you're doing True. wrong and he does so many things wrong True. i want to touch on the end of this book specifically mm. this was one line where i was like at least he's putting the blame squarely where it belongs. Like, it's not a her True. problem. It's yeah. a him yeah. problem. Another problem I'd always had with Twilight is that Edward kind of comes across as being condescending. Not condescending. Patronizing. Controlling. And then seeing Bella from his point of view, you can see how he would be just totally petrified all the time of, like, a meteor happening to fall through her bedroom and kill her. Like... I don't know if he's ever been so invested in the life of one human person. And now that he is, you see how just petrified he is all the time because she's so breakable compared to everybody else in his life. Oh, yeah. And I I forgave him a little bit for the way he acted. Oh, that's interesting. I would agree with that. I feel like I did to a point until we got to the end of the novel. And then I was like, you are being so annoying. Ooh, <laughs> like okay. the way he was handling stuff. Um, 
But before we get there, I kind of want to chat about the rest of his family and how the narrative made them look. Um, Esme was boring. <laughs> wow. Um, we do. Seriously? Oh, do you have you have feelings about Esme? I just Esme? thought that for a vampire, Esme read like every other traditional happy housewife and mother that I've ever met. I feel like. She is definitely from, like, the generation. She's the kind of older woman I would meet from the generation before us who kind of lives through her children. And she talks about, or Edward talks about how she relied on her children to bring the world to her. And she was a homebody. And I thought that was interesting. I completely agree with that assessment. And that's why I was a little disappointed in that portrayal. Like, I wanted, Mm. like, I wanted more action from her like in the narrative she came off as being just kind of simple and the thing is is that I don't think she is simple but like literally every thought we got from her was her like her being concerned about somebody just like oh I hope Edward's okay oh I hope Bella likes us oh I hope Rosalie is gonna be all right oh I hope and I just I it just felt very one note like I was like where's the complexity (laughs) here where is the like the real person of Esme. Why are we only seeing this like incredibly motherly side, especially when Edward has always has already gone out of his way in this narrative and honestly also in Twilight to just be like, well, that's Esme. She's a mother. She loves. <laughs> like that's her yeah. one characteristic. Mom. <laughs> and like I was just a like Esme can't have a bad day. <laughs> well, it's not about being having a bad day. It's about her not being a complex character like I just wanted more from her. there is a moment when Edward is like dripping on her floors and she shouts down from somewhere else in the house and she's like not on my floors Edward that's true that was kind of funny um but I I just was I I totally see what you're saying and I completely agree with you I just wanted more like if there was one character who got shafted in the original books it would have been mm-hmm. Esme because mm. she was completely in the background for absolutely everything and I just wanted to see just a little bit more a little bit more into Esme. Okay. What made her her, you know? Okay. Again, vampire backstories. <laughs> I want their collection. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charlie. Or not Charlie, sorry. Um, who am I thinking? The father. Carlisle? Carlisle. I was like, it starts with a C. Carlisle's a zaddy, by the yes. way. Yes. Oh my gosh, Carlisle. that was the same word that was just going through my head. You have Charlie, the human daddy, and then you have Carlisle, the vampire zaddy. Literally. You're absolutely right. Everything he does, I'm like obsessed. I know. I love this when. all tied up in the fact that like the movies came out when we were teens and now that we're millennials and rewatching the movie, we're like, oh wait, Carlisle. Listen, I feel like it He's is. my age. It is a, a widely accepted understanding that Carlisle is it. True. Um, but I, I liked the little extra that we got to see from Carlisle and about Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked seeing him go at the very end of the book when they have to get Bella into the hospital because she had this traumatic encounter with a violent vampire. Um, like, Carla- Carlisle waltzes up and he's like, oh, don't worry, I know the attending physician on side or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> Dr. Somebody. It-, it was an Indian name that I can't pronounce. 
he like walks up and he's like hey it's been so long the other guy's like hey you look amazing and edward's reading this other random guy's thoughts and this guy's thinking like he says that he looks so good because of the pacific northwest air but i know he's been dabbling in plastic surgery (laughs) forbidden art of plastic surgery exactly it was just like i loved seeing what i saw from carlisle he was just such Mm -hmm. a, a good interesting father figure not that yeah I mean, he was clearly yeah. the father and the the leader of the family but he also had yeah. other interesting things going on yeah yeah can we talk about rosalie yes yeah. i think we definitely need to talk about rosalie <laughs> so first of all we have to point out the elephant in the room she is the classic like pretty girl who hates the main character yes for being pretty <laughs> yes um, well, although technically she hates her for he, her choices with her own humanity. Excuses, excuses. But, like, she is also, like, she's jealous that Edward yes. thinks she's pretty. It's true, it's she's true. She's jealous Rosalie's that- like, yeah. why didn't Edward love me? Why is Edward loving some pale-faced human girl? She's like, I have Emmett, yeah, but I want Edward to love me too. <laughs> yes. Um, but I do, I do like the bit of nuance we get. Mm-hmm. And I like that their little vampire... Clan? What are they? Coven. Family. They're a coven. Yeah. I like that their coven isn't all perfect. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like they're this happy group sure. of vampires that are besties with humans. Like Yeah, there's there's a lot of conflict sure. within the group. There is some conflict, and I like that because Alice, like, makes it... Like, Alice and Jasper... Alice makes it easy, and Jasper goes along with Alice. Yes. So, like, it's mm-hmm. nice that everything doesn't just fall into place all the time. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. My favorite There's scene. There's no accounting for Rosalie's feelings. Right. Right. Well, and my favorite scene with everybody is when Jasper and Alice decide that they have to kill Bella. And I can't remember exactly. Jasper and Rose. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I said Alice. I meant Rose. Um, yeah. And they, I can't remember why. Like, oh, it was, it's right after um, Edward saves Bella from the truck. Yeah. It's like. That was going to crush her. Oh, um, yeah. And they're like, you've exposed us. Right. They're like, Edward, you've exposed yeah. us. Yeah. We need to kill Bella. And Jasper and Rosalie are are both completely on board. And so they have this, like, vampire meeting where they, yeah. like, go to the conference room and they all sit down. And it's, like, this super interesting, like, Edward's reading all of their thoughts and Alice is seeing the future for everybody. And so they're, like, going back and forth about different versions of the future. And Edward's sitting there thinking, like okay, I know what, like, Rose is going to do. Like, Rose isn't going to change her mind. But, like, if I could get Jasper to change his mind, it's, like, the politics of the family. I found very Mm -hmm. interesting. And they end up, like, navigating it and obviously not killing Bella. But, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. going back to the idea that this is a group of individuals who have chosen to be together, they're not together because it's always easy for them or they always agree on stuff. They, like, are together because... They have affection for one another, and they live the same lifestyle, and they feel like a family, mm-hmm. but they don't always see eye to eye. Yeah, and I like the fact that Alice, yeah. Alice's visions are fallible. Mm-hmm. Like, not mm-hmm. a ton. For the most part, if she definitively sees what's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I like that there's, like, a question still. Like, I was thinking about, like, okay, the baseball scene. I was like, yeah, please explain to me how if Alice can see the future... 
like how how do you the baseball scene was allowed to happen yeah like how do you ever have a sport like how do you ever have a game if but with edward and alice involved but like edward would say like oh alice can see that he's gonna hit the ball here and she won't be able to get it Mm -hmm. like it it, like she's still it doesn't make her all powerful you know what i mean and so then they're Mm -hmm. making their decisions based on what she sees or like when they're chasing the vampire guy at the end james what a basic mm-hmm. vampire name, by the way. You're so right. Um, and they use Alice. The vampire James. James. And his girlfriend, Victoria. <laughs> and Laurent. Um, and they, they use her power to, like, figure out where he's going, but they still have to put in the intention of going somewhere in order for yeah. Alice to be able to tell them if they find him there. Yes. Like, like when it's very interesting. When they're chasing him through in North Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, nothing for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And it's like, they come to a lake, and they lost the scent of the tracker guy. Mm-hmm. And they have to send people, like, north, south, east, and west, and Alice... And they call Alice, and they're like, okay, who's going to find James first? And she's like, Carlisle's going to. So then they know that they need to go north, uh-huh. all of them. Anyway, uh-huh. yeah, you're right. It's completely fascinating. It's very interesting. We need Alice. We need our Alice book. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, Alice and Jasper. Well, and Jasper also, like, yeah, Mr. War God Emotions <laughs> Screener. Like, when they're in the baseball scene, again, we do not get this from Bella's perspective, but Jasper is intentionally, yes. like, intentionally making the three other vampires not notice him or Alice or Bella. Bella. Like he's like doing like this smoke screen emotion thing. And it is so interesting. Like we never see anything like that from Bella's perspective, but Edward is sitting there thinking like, if they knew that Jasper was here, like Jasper is the most dangerous one out of all of us, which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is very interesting. Or there was that scene at the end when they when they catch James and Emmett has him his arms like wrapped around him and he's done for, but he like stops struggling as soon as like he makes eye contact with Jasper because Jasper is exuding this like overwhelming like yeah. threatening danger and he just gives up altogether. I think that's so interesting. Yeah. It's also very interesting that like Rosalie and Emmett are just normal. Like Emmett is very mm. I guess Emmett's very strong. He's the strongest yeah. vampire. Um, but that's not really a power in the same way that Jasper and Alice have powers or or Edward. Um, yeah. And Rosalie is just hot. Hot. Yeah, that's Rosalie's superpower. That's her, her superpower. Hotness. And again, Esme is mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, again, disappointing. And Carlisle is... Zaddy. Nice. <laughs> Carlisle is hot. Um... Yeah, but we were talking about Rosalie and how we were. she fulfills the hot girl antagonist uh, trope. Yes, and like Rosalie's whole thing, I mean, she has the I am jealous that Edward likes Bella and not me thing, but she also has the like, I'm jealous that Bella is a human, period. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that she would choose to hang out with like us freaks is is kind of her attitude. Which is interesting. I think that's an interesting conflict i do too and it's frustrating from edward's perspective well it's frustrating just period but from edward and bella's perspective i'm just like come on rose get it together i know can't you see that they're in love like (laughs) could you just like stop being rude yeah like she is just she is aggro at every available 
opportunity. Mm -hmm. She's just like, I don't even want to be around her. I don't want to look at her. Like, her very presence is an anathema to me. Like, she hates Bella. Um, And she wants to kill her at several points. Or, like, she doesn't agree to help when they're trying to get Bella away from James. The most she'll do is help protect Charlie. Yeah. And she does that like very unwillingly. Yeah. She's like, okay, fine. But only because Carlisle comes out yeah. and says, like, Rose, are you in this family or are you not? And like Edward is sitting there being like, she is no longer a sister to me. <laughs> yeah, which is that was sad to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I like when they have their bonding moment be- prior to this. I think it's before the meadow. Yeah. And now, isn't it before the baseball game? Because he's asking her to come to the baseball game. Oh. Yeah, he like chases. He's he's chasing Billy and uh, Jacob down. I'm imagining him like running, and then he like pivots once they hit the like the reservation line, and he like chases after Rosalie and her BMW. Yes, and then like they have their little tete a tete. So is that when? So that's when he says to her like, "I'm going to not turn her." I think so. Yeah. Okay, because that's. That is something she feels very passionately about, is she doesn't want him yeah. to turn her because she values humanity, humanity so much. Ooh. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Mm. I also thought that was interesting that they had talked about how they both assumed that one day Bella would outgrow Edward. Yeah. Like she would move mm-hmm. on and she would want somebody else, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Right, and it clearly, like, Edward throughout the narrative is constantly like, Bella can't love me as much as I love her. She's a human. She's fallible. She's going to grow up. She's going to change. Yeah. She's going to, you know, go away. And I'm going to let her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's interesting from Bella's perspective because she kind of thinks the exact same thing about him. True. Like, like how could he oh, yeah. love me when he's a vampire this and perfect a tiny angel. human? Right, like, he's going to get bored of me. Yeah. He's going to yeah. move on. Like, True. Yeah. But I... I like that they make, like, Stephanie did a good job, I think, of making Rosalie a good antagonist while also making her reasons for being an antagonist understandable. Yeah. I think to a certain point, but after a while, like many other things in this book, <laughs> it was just kind of beaten to yeah, death. Tiresome. And you were just like, okay, Rosalie, people's lives are on the yeah. line, so we need you to, like, get on board. But yeah. I kind of liked that she didn't. I kind of liked that she held to her guns. Like, it, it made me believe her more as a character. No, she really, really hates this. Mm. She has a real, like, personal yeah. stake in this, and it feels personal for her. So I like that she mm-hmm. wasn't just... I mean, I, I agree. Like, lives were on the line. It felt stupid to continue to have this dislike of Bella. However, it also does feel, like, internally consistent, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I would agree. And I like the fact that Emmett is, like, the total opposite. Like, he's this big, like, kind of teddy bear yeah for the most he's very himbo he is he is a himbo oh my gosh by the way i think we said this in the pilot pod or at least i thought it but like i love the casting for all the vampires oh yeah like that that's who i'm picturing when i'm reading it yeah agreed but i have recast yeah um bella and edward same (laughs) i have the same thought like everybody else is the same but i'm like bella and edward mm, even even jacob's kind of the same you would recast robert pattinson as edward Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, this actually, I want to talk okay. about this. Please continue, Kita. I can, I like Robert Pattinson as Edward. I don't like Kristen Stewart as Bella. Yes. That's fair. 
Yeah. I think Edward's the better of the two. And this is not about Kristen not having emotions or whatever, which I know no, is the not at criticism all. she gets. Yeah. For being very <laughs> bland. <laughs> very blank faced. Yeah. Right. Um I wanna talk about the fact though that um Robert famously Robert. Rob. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Keita said this last time. Bobby. That that he hates his character. But now, especially after having read this book, I'm like sad yeah. about it. Well, I'm like, there's honestly enough there for an interesting for an actor to like yes. kind of dig their teeth into. Although maybe maybe pre Midnight Sun, like uh, maybe Midnight Sun would have helped him. Maybe I, th- yeah. I think it would have. Maybe Rob would have been like, Oh, there's something here. I also think though that uh Rob had a real like derision for Edward's choices, even if they had been yes. explained a little bit more in Midnight Sun. Like yes. I just don't think he respected him as like a like a person or a character. Yeah. So I yeah. think that is an inherent problem <laughs> with his portrayal. I think What's also that? Edward from Twilight comes across as like mm-hmm. impossibly good. Um yeah. to like a, and un un like you can't really empathize with him. He's just an ideal. But like yeah. seeing him from this book, he's more fallible. Like, he has insecurities. He's constantly questioning his, like, he has fears. I There's more, like you said, there's more of a character to sink your teeth into. Yeah. You know, when I think of, like, Edward having flaws, the immediate image that comes to my brain is that scene from the movie where uh, Rob Pat is, um, tr- he's, like, portraying Edward back in the day when Edward was, like, killing the murderers or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's this shot of kind of it's in sepia a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, he's in this little cap and this little, like, suit coat. And he looks up and he's, like... <laughs> <laughs> and he has, like, blood dripping down, like, his face. Anyway, whenever Edward was, like, my dark past, I have that <laughs> image in my head. <laughs> like, like, Robert okay. Pattinson being, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um do we have a little newsy cap oh the last thing that i wanted to say or just touch on with the family is that i was really touched with like how close emmett and edward were me as well they were cute oh, little yeah. buddies they are <laughs> <laughs> like emmett doesn't really understand and like emmett is a simple creature he doesn't think too much about things and edward of course is an a classic overthinker and yeah. so like Emmett is just like hey bro what's going on you doing okay yeah. let's talk yeah. and then when Edward's finally like oh I really like Be- Bella like Emmett's like cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she's she's gonna be awesome like I like her already yes <laughs> like, yeah it's just so, so uncomplicated so uncomplicated yeah. yeah yeah he's a good a good I don't know foil for him in that way he's a good egg yeah. um may I share a very random thought that's not related to this <laughs> Um, when they're in the meadow and they mm. almost kiss. Oh, no. Maybe it's a time they do kiss. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's when they kiss against the Jeep and he's, like, trying yeah. to talk her into. Yes. Which, by the way, still feel a little weird about that, that he's like, how do I get her to agree with me? I make out with her because. Oh, yeah, no. Again, he's very controlling. Because she's weak when uh. I kiss her. I But from his perspective, it was less disgusting, but still disgusting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not defending him but I found it interesting that he remarks on the fact that it's dangerous for them to use tongue because <laughs> if she puts her because if she puts her tongue in his mouth while he has venom dripping off of his oh yes. teeth yeah then, then she'll it'll, it'll be in her the that's, venom that's, that's, that's kind interesting. of world building detail we really didn't get in <laughs> Twilight and, the first and I was ever. like 
I was like, wait, that's that's a good point. Like the venom, it, the venom. Because if it's like in his mouth, then yeah, yeah. you also you gotta say, <laughs> gross me out. Like I was yeah. like, <laughs> the idea of venom. <laughs> Well, right, like, when you're making out, you're already, you're dealing with saliva, and it's just, you know, you love the person, and it's just part of the experience, you get over it, but, like, the idea of, like, venom, like, it just, it made me kind of gag a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Um, this also reminds me of this, wait, I'm sorry, did you finish your thought, Caitlin, or was there more? Well, that's pretty much it, but I did have another another thought related to Edward's okay. anatomy, but please continue. Go. No, I want to know what you think about Edward's anatomy. That sounds tantalizing. I'm going to say this delicately, but I recall okay. it being a question on the internet because Stephanie has said that they don't have any other... Like bodily fluids? Any other bodily fluids, and so the fact yeah. that he could conceive a child is... Miraculous. Confusing. Because <laughs> well, all you know, he has Hefner is blood. Well, child into his 80s, so, you know, men just never change. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're talking about vampires, so... Yeah, but if you literally don't have the component for making a baby in your body... <laughs> I bring up Hugh Hefner because that's what was brought up in <laughs> Breaking Dawn. What? They bring up Hugh Hefner? <laughs> yes, there's this moment where Bella's, like, looking in at her belly in the mirror, and she's like, is such a thing possible i mean women go through changes throughout their lives that make it impossible for them to have kids in later life but men never change hugh hefner had a child in his 70s or his 80s dialogue from the actual book i just i have some questions are so wait did you have like were you going somewhere with that or were you just bringing it up again well shouldn't be able to fertilize an egg sure (laughs) So what's the explanation? <laughs> oh, you're just questioning. I don't know. Because he says, like, Carlisle's been doing studies. He said something about how they Carlisle's haven't had any... <laughs> he said that they haven't had any vampire bodies to, like, dissect. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, yeah. why not? Well, no, the point <laughs> is, is that, one, they're too hard for usual, like, medical instruments. Uh, because they're literally okay. marble. But then, two, okay. when they die, they also are, like, rock so I just don't think... Do, do they turn into rock when they die? Well, the movies show them that way. I They're guess like marble. They like, don't. you yank off arms and they just have, like, this, like... Okay, th- that's not canon. In the books, that's not... <laughs> they didn't say that about James. They, like, well, no, they said that they rip him apart and throw him in the fire and that's how you kill him. Yeah. Right. I guess, like, I just don't think, like... I think the stone part was a movie <laughs> visualization. Well, I understand that, but I think the point still stands, is that, Maybe. like, they don't have delicate strong enough instruments to like actually vivisect a vivisect higher body yeah good word (laughs) yeah when uh when bella was giving birth the only thing they were able to use to like break the umbilical sac was which was also vampire skin um was edward's teeth that's true that's true true. yeah yeah the ultimate intimacy (laughs) don't say it like that don't say it like that Um, Wait, what were you going to say, Kita? Oh, there's this conversation where Bella is being pressed for details about her dating life uh, by Jessica. And Jessica's like, have you guys kissed yet? Teehee. You know, normal, like, 16-year-old girl (laughs) conversations. And Bella's like, it's not like that. And, like, uh, Jessica has a moment of sympathy for her because it it seems like uh, Bella is also sad about that. And I just thought that that was interesting and sad um, because it reminded me of this show called Pushing Up Daisies, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was about, Daisies. like, Lee Pace and, I forget what her name is, 
Um, like they couldn't touch ever mm-hmm. because if they touched, she would die because his touch brought her back to life and whatever. And I think it's just sad that like Bella really didn't have control as an equal player over the intimate side of their relationship. Like everything she wanted mm-hmm. had to be like Edward's needs came first. Yeah. Maybe in a different way than we're used to seeing in like romantic stories, but there was never a negotiation. Yeah. I think that is a great point. And I would like to use this as a jumping off point to talking about how problematic he is. Okay. And before that, can I just say if you want to see hot pictures of Lee Pace, who is hot, <laughs> um, there's a GQ. You're talking about the 300 year old pictures? <laughs> no. Oh. I saw those on Twitter the other day. No, he was just in a GQ like mm. piece. Anyway, Lee Pace One is hot. One of my friends who works with Lee Pace occasionally says he's a monster to work with. <gasps> no. That's too bad. I hear he likes I'm so sorry. gardening and his husband. The hot ones. <laughs> never, um, never ask what celebrities are like in real yeah, life. It'll so true. just destroy everything for you. Um, Edward. What about him? I want to talk about the very end of the book. Okay. So the baseball scene happens. He is extremely concerned for her. He physically, like, throws her into a car. True. Emmett. Yeah. And, and she's freaking out because she doesn't know what's going the buckles. on. Um, she, Edward's just like, we just got to get out of here. And she's like, what's going on? He does not answer her questions. He completely talks yeah. over her to, like. He's talking to Alice. Yeah, he's talking to Alice. He's talking to Emmett, who's also in the car. Um, they're trying to protect her from these vampires. But, like, from her yeah. perspective, her boyfriend just, like, threw her in a car. He's not answering any of her questions. Like, he's completely talking yeah. over her about her own safety. And, like, he has Emmett physically restrain her when she tries to, like, move or get out of the car or whatever. Because he doesn't trust her to, like, take care of herself. Because, yeah, he's so terrified of, like, losing her to this tracker guy. And, like, the whole time... I absolutely hated it. Like, mm. if we're talking about, yeah. like, Bella not being an, an agent, an equal partner in this relationship, I mean, this was, like, a, yeah. a, a perfect example of that. Because it only, it takes them, like, talking over her for, like, five minutes before she finally is like, I have an idea. Yeah. And they actually end up going along with her idea of how to keep her safe and Charlie safe, rather than, like, what Edward is talking about and what Emmett is talking about. And it only, it takes like Alice having to back her up for like Edward to actually listen to her. And it just made me really mad. Made me really angry. I think we talked about this in the first book as well. I mean, sure. Yeah, no, no, no. Edward being possessive is like a common thread throughout these entire novels. But just like this for me was one of the worst examples of that, especially coming from his perspective. Like, from her perspective, it was bad. But from his perspective, you see how little he's listening to her and how little he's, like, taking in her opinion about her own safety. Right. And I really didn't like it. So this reminds me of, and I don't remember if we did this but before, but at the end of this, at the end of the book, at the end of the story, in both books, um, when they're in the hospital and they are kind of having their... Kind of like a DTR. Like, they're kind of talking about their relationship. He's been trying to break up with her for a, kind a, few, of. a few days now. Kind of. Not really, I mean, though. kind of. In his thoughts, yeah. he's he's very... He's thinking about it. He's, he's like, this is the end. I don't have yeah. the strength to stay um, away from you. And, and yeah. he really doesn't want to turn her. That's the thing, right? He's like, if I'm with her long enough, she will either die because she's a magnet for danger, and I'm dangerous, and whatever. <laughs> dangerous. Or... Um, I will turn her 
And that's also dangerous for her. Like, he doesn't like either of those outcomes. So they're kind of talking about this. And Bella makes the point that, like, their relationship can't be equal as long as one of them has to constantly save the other. Yeah. And she says, I want to be the hero. Like, I want to also, like, save you. I want to be able to participate or whatever. Um, and I, you know, he probably, like, just scoffs at it and mm-hmm. is like, well, yeah, but I don't want to turn you, so there. Right. Um, but I just, I'm really glad she says that. I'm, I'm really glad she's aware of it. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel like, I mean, we're all aware of the power imbalance in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that she would be like, listen, I want to be alive with you forever. And also, you can do so much I can't do. And it makes me feel tiny and pathetic and i don't i don't want to feel that way yeah did that make you like her more the fact that she didn't like value the feeling of being small and needing protection and and... she never does throughout the book like if he offers to do things for her she never likes it yeah yeah she wants to drive her own truck yeah 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 she wants to drive her truck she wants to drive her own truck it's a little bit like it almost comes off as not like other girls like no me i can open my own door edward does say she's not like other humans i i did and he <laughs> says he says something about not being like other boys uh. so they they both have it <laughs> um but you know Pitney i syndrome. do <laughs> i'm glad that she says it i'm glad that she makes it clear that she likes being independent yeah, I yeah. would absolutely agree with that. I also think Edward throughout the book, I, and you noted this, Caitlin, in our Twilight read-through, but, like, Edward has a huge anger problem. Ugh. Absolutely massive. Disgusting. And he yeah. says multiple times, he says he has an anger problem. He says multiple times, like, when I'm angry with you, it's because I'm angry at myself. He says that multiple times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it just, mm-hmm. again, being in his head made me really feel like, ooh. Yes. <laughs> like, from Bella's perspective, I didn't love that, but she had her rose-colored glasses on, and it, mm-hmm. it bothered her a little bit, but it didn't bother her enough to, like, mm-hmm. make her stay away. From Edward's yeah. perspective, I was seriously like, oh my gosh, could you stop yelling at her? Like, yeah, she yes. has done nothing wrong. She has not done a single thing wrong to you, but he is yelling at her a lot. Well, and I was <laughs> yeah. thinking, Stephanie uses different descriptors for him, whereas from Bella's perspective, she used the word angry a lot. Um, Edward says a lot of the times that like he's like confused, frustrated, frustrated, agitated, uh-huh. like things that yeah. sound less aggressive. And it's like, okay, like maybe you were feeling those other things, but like you never communicated that your anger was not at her. Mm-hmm. He's just always like, yeah. you know, I'm not mad at you. And it's like, no, I don't know that actually. You're yelling at me. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Like the miscommunication that happens there is very annoying. So it's oh. like all you have to do is express what you're really feeling, which is you're afraid for her. Right. And it just gave me like all sorts of uncomfortable like, feelings. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. It's teenage boy behavior or like teenage relationship behavior that made me think like he was right. Like eventually she would have wised up and outgrown him mm. and gone after somebody who could like di- put a lid on their anger or like express themselves better or wasn't as controlling. Because like, I don't know what their relationship would have looked like when she was like 30 years old, Mm -hmm. right? Or 40 years old. And he's still trying to pull the same crap. I don't think she would have had the patience for it. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Or at the very least, she would have like gotten to a place where she doesn't take him as seriously anymore. Like she's like, stop yelling at me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't care. He does say at the end of like the very end of the book, he's watching her in the hospital and he's processing the fact that like, he tasted her blood to like suck out the poison but he didn't kill her and everything 
And he had this moment that I really liked where he was processing the fact that he's been, like, othering himself. Mm. Where it's, like, he has, like, the Mm. good part of him who doesn't want to kill Bella. And he has the bad part of him that does want to kill Bella. And he has this moment where he, like, accepted that all of that was him. It wasn't, like, it wasn't him and some monster. Mm -hmm. It was, Mm -hmm. like, that is all him. And I thought that was a really healthy step forward in his character to, like, recognize. Agreed. Yes. have the two parts of himself kind of join again Mm -hmm. that made me hope a little bit for their future relationship if he's exhibiting this kind of growth throughout the novel Mm -hmm. then maybe he is going to be a good enough partner for him for Mm -hmm. her by the time breaking dawn rolls around yeah (laughs) when they're getting married see that's another au that i want now though is the au where bella stays human they (gasps) date for 20 years she breaks up with him and he's sad (laughs) (laughs) interesting (laughs) not because i want him to be sad but i'm imagining him being broken up with by his like 35 year old girlfriend (laughs) you want wow i'd watch that rom-com you want girl boss gatekeep gaslight bella (laughs) i do yeah um i didn't like that he kind of gaslights her at the end of the novel because she's constantly asking him what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong like she Mm. can sense that he wants to break things off right. or whatever like she senses yeah. something's wrong and he's constantly like nothing's wrong no i just love you i'm just worried about you we just we're gonna have a great time when we get back to forks like he is gaslighting her yeah and i really yeah like she is accurately sensing that something is wrong there and he is actively being like what are you talking about no things are great yeah it's fine well and it's clear that she still knows like right. she, she's not yeah. convinced no, but it just, like, again, it just made me go, like, Bleh. When he says, like, that's one of the... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, he says, like, I'll be with you for as long as it's good for you or yeah. something like that. And, so controlled. And she's, like, I know that... And she's, like, I know what that means. Yeah. Like, you're not fooling anyone. One of the things that my mom, who loved this series liked most about it is that she felt like it was a good representation of the strong feelings you have around those like that first love and teenage relationships and she loved like how that was represented in twilight but she also loved the new moon feeling that bella has after that like confrontation where edward does decide to like leave her for good um where you like you know the breakup is coming you feel the breakup is coming and your partner is like gaslighting you until they find like a good time to break up with you. But like just that that awareness where it's like going to happen any day now and things aren't good um, was just really well represented in New huh, That's interesting. I like that. I mean, does anybody have things? Should we move on to final thoughts? Yeah, I feel I feel we've reached the end. <laughs> Can we give final thoughts and also like a. Would you have greenlit this book? Oh. If, like, you were the editor, would you have greenlit this? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think so, too. Like, this book was handed to me before the original series came out, or... No, I'm thinking, like, in the year, like, 2019 or whatever, when they started printing it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. At this point in time, Stephanie Meyer is, like, a celebrity in the YA genre and in, like, publishing in general, like take it or leave it um you have guaranteed sales on your hand if you publish this book so by reputation alone i would absolutely publish it would i have like a true marketer (laughs) yeah true (laughs) would i have edited the book a bit more probably um but i wondered if the length of the book um was in and of itself like a selling point Mm. like we're revisiting the twilight series for the first time in years and look it's an even bigger book 
Yeah, I agree. I I think it had to it had to happen. And honestly, I'm glad that she pushed through even after it was leaked and it made her sad. Like I do think Yeah. I'm glad this saw the light of day in its entirety. Yeah, agreed. I like we kind of touched on in the beginning. I think this is a worthwhile addition to the canon. I just probably would have cut it down a little bit. Yeah. Because it was very long. And I would like to make a shout out to the uh, the pomegranate Hades Persephone metaphor. Oh, yeah. Which it comes up throughout. <gasps> because That's true. It's, it's very, like... Fitting. Cheesy. It's very cliche. But I think it fits very well, yeah. actually. I think so, too. Like... As a metaphor or as as an analogy for their relationship, I was like, no, that's that. This is good, a good comparison. Hmm. And you know, who doesn't love a, a Hades Persephone vibe? That's sexy. <sighs> yeah, agreed. Although I do have to say, I find the cover art gross. Wait, yours <laughs> is weird. What do you find gross about it? The juiciness of the pomegranate. Oh, do we have different cover art? The hard cover. The hard cover's better. Okay, well, your 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 um your title oh. is in a different location, but the picture of the pomegranate fruit is the same. It is, and the picture of the pomegranate fruit is what I find to be kind of disgusting. That's interesting because I is it like vaguely genitalia? Um, I mean maybe, but that's not why you're exposing yourself there, Tita. <laughs> <laughs> is it vaguely gory? Well, it does have. It just kind of looks like an organ. It has pomegranate fruit kind of dripping off the bottom, so it is kind of like oh, yeah. heart ish in mm. my in my mind and maybe that's ah. and like the flesh of the pomegranate itself is kind of like i don't know it, i just look at it and it just makes me kind of like <laughs> see it's working for me but the typesetting <laughs> on the uh paperback is ugly so that's fair yeah i do like the way that the Mid title is night split. sun <laughs> i don't know why they did that um i mean if it wasn't dripping would that be better for you honestly like marginally like maybe like five percent better you know in her acknowledgments she thanked i, I know i saw cover. that <laughs> which photographer. I, and the photographer i think does do a good job like it's clear the photographer knows what they're doing but just like the gross oh yeah it just grosses me out a little bit fair it's on brand you know it fits in with the others True. it's good on the shelf yeah. yeah um i know i guess that was my final thought um anybody else no, I've said everything I, I wanted to say. I am weirdly pro this book. <laughs> uh, I did have a question for uh, Caitlin, and this probably blends into the last part of our pod, but where we talk about recommendations. You mentioned uh, dual perspective romances before. Do you oh. have any other recs in that vein? Because that sounds really interesting. Oh. Ooh. I know I do. <laughs> but where? Buried within my mind. I was actually just thinking, this is making me want to read more paranormal romance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've, like, been in that genre. Uh-huh. But, like, honestly, take me back. Yeah. Take me back to, to 2012 when every book was, was about a girl romance. and a werewolf or a girl yeah. and an alien or a girl and a vampire or a girl <laughs> and a demon. My two favorite paranormal romances are um, Blood and Chocolate, the werewolf story. and oh, I um, read that. I think it's called Hawk Song. It's about like two warring countries and they can turn into like snakes and hawks. And Kita, no! You don't like Hawk Song? 
I read all four of those books. Like I know, and I just have very mixed feelings about them. For the record, I like the second one the best. Oh, interesting. Okay. I just like I have complicated feelings about that series. <laughs> okay. I never got further than like the first two. I think because it it does like decline in quality later on. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, I'm trying to think of what other paranormal romances I've read. I really, really liked, um, I think it's Scott Westerfield. I think it's called Afterworld. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did like that one. I really like that one. It's um, it's actually two stories in one. The first story is about a, a girl who's like 18 or 19, and she's actually the author of the second story that mm-hmm. is in the book. Um, so it's like following her life in the publishing world of New York and she's got this massive advance and she's struggling to write the second book in the series and the her her book is a paranormal, paranormal romance and it's also there and it's being told along with her story. But it's a queer romance. It's, um, it's her and her girlfriend and I just really, really like that book. I just thought it was a fun okay. read. Um, but that's a fun paranormal slash... A femme de femme romance, which I think is fun. Yeah, I'm blanking, but I'm going to think about this. I'm going to go to my local library. <laughs> we love a good local library. <laughs> and I'm going to find ones that I You like. know, it's, it's hard to, like, I remember when Twilight came out, like, I wanted something like Twilight, but it was so hard to find anything as good as Twilight. That's fair. I mean, yeah, Twilight's a, a juggernaut. I mean, off topic, but they're turning Red, White, and Royal Blue into a movie I mentioned before. And the actor who plays the uh, the prince is so beautiful. I think I saw when they were cast, and yeah, they're very hot. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And that concludes this episode of The Great Feminist Book Throwdown. If you like this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify and share us with your friends. Feel free to join in on the conversation about this book and others on Twitter. Our handle is at Book Throwdown. And let us know if you have any book recommendations. Thanks for tuning in. We love all of our listeners. And we look forward to meeting with you again for our next Book Throwdown.